And then I realized I was in the actual psychiatric unit. So that freaked me out. I thought, flipping it, he can see that I can't cope. That was that, that's what was going through my head. The psychiatrist I spoke to, he said to me, I can see that you're suffering from postnatal depression. As soon as he said that to me, Vicky, it's like a light bulb just went off in my head. Everything just fell into place for me. That's why I've been feeling like that. That's why these things have been happening. That's why I've had a low mood. That's why I'm constantly crying. And I just was like, why hadn't somebody mentioned that to me before? Yeah, I just felt robbed, really, of the first six months of my kid's life, if I'm honest. Having a baby is meant to be the most joyful time of your life. But for many mums and dads, it can be the hardest and at times the darkest of places. Welcome to Blue Mondays, the podcast for anyone struggling with parenting. Today's guest is Leonie Huey, BEM. She's a mother to twin girls, an award-winning teacher, a parenting author, blogger and founder of Empower Me. She helps to empower mums to grow their business online and improve their work-life balance through one-to-one coaching programs and business resources that she designs. Leonie is the author of The First Year is Survival, the essential guide for parenting twins and multiples. And at the beginning of the year, she was awarded the British Empire Medal for her services to education. Congratulations, Leonie, and welcome to Blue Mondays. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for, for coming. You're a very busy lady, so we really appreciate <laughs> any time you can offer. No problem. Before we begin, I'd just love to know who you were before you found out you were pregnant? Oh, no one's ever asked me that before. Um, how long you got? <laughs> <laughs> so um, before I fell pregnant, um, which was unexpected actually, um, I was out a lot, if I'm honest. I ate out a lot, I would party a lot. I didn't really have much worries, to be fair. I just, I worked and just had myself to to look after and you know focus on um I hadn't started a business then I was working full-time in education I hadn't written a book then I hadn't done any of the things that I've, I've you know done in the last four years since being a mum so yeah life and for me has changed a lot so yeah it's been it's been an interesting transition should I say journey <laughs> Yeah, it's always a journey, isn't it? Always yeah, the journey. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. And and you actually found out you were pregnant sort of quite unexpectedly, didn't you? Yeah, it was. It was unexpected because, um, well, first of all, I had got married the previous year in Italy. And um, my husband and I were planning on travelling for a bit. We weren't planning on having kids. We thought we'd enjoy our time together for a bit before the children come and um that just wasn't in our plan and then I felt I got married in August 2016 and I fell pregnant in February 2017 and I was shocked because I had no idea I was pregnant I just had this awful pain in my in my stomach in my lower stomach area and um it was like a dragging pain and I didn't know what it was. So when I contacted my doctor, he said, I'll go to the early pregnancy um, clinic and just they'll, they'll, they'll be able to support you there. And I said, well, why would I go to the early pregnancy clinic? I'm not pregnant. And he said, um, they, they don't just deal with pregnancy. You know, they deal with all sorts of issues to, to, with the, you know, women, women's anatomy, female anatomy, so to speak. So I went along and I had a pregnancy test there and, I was waiting for my um, results to come back in, in the waiting area. So nurse came over to me and said to me, oh, um, your results, you know, um, came back positive. You are pregnant. And I just sat there and I was gobsmacked, honestly, because I was on my own. And my husband had gone to work and I just thought, oh, I'll just find out. Maybe there's, there's something wrong or, you know, I've, I'm just a bit tired or something. Maybe that's why my stomach's hurting me, you know. And um, I said, there's no need for you to come with me. So that was a bit of a shock. And then um, when I saw that, when I went in to see the doctor, because they said, you have to see the consultant now. I went in to see the consultant and um, they gave, they give you an internal scan because um, they, you know, my stomach was completely flat. So I was thinking, well, if I'm pregnant, it must be very, very, you know, in early on in the pregnancy. And my stomach was flat. As I said, and I went in to see the, 
the consultant and I'm lying down and she's examining me and she says oh um she goes oh and she said oh and I said why are you saying oh <laughs> you know that kind of made me think is there something wrong and she left the room and I was like where's she going and I'm like I'm still here lying on the bed you've left the room come back please anyway she comes back and she came back in with another nurse and she says says to me would you like the first good news or the second good news and I said huh first good news or second good news I was so confused wow <laughs> twins and I said huh <laughs> you know I was genuinely shocked she could see it on my face she goes you wasn't expecting that was you and I said no I wasn't I'm meant to be going on holiday <laughs> <laughs> what a way to find out and uh, no. so how how did you feel you know there must have been a mixture of emotions there was definitely a mixture of emotions and it was genuine shock and I just had to sit there and I actually to be fair when she told me I was I don't know how long I was sitting there for but I was just sitting there in a daze and then I actually turned the screen around because I wanted to see and then she said to me oh you you know I can explain it to you and I said please do I don't understand what's going on here <laughs> and um she said to me well you've got two circles here and um they are the egg the eggs um and they've been and they've been virtually basically talking to me like science talking to me <laughs> breaking it down and I was just like oh my god oh my god that's all I kept saying and she said this is a life-changing um journey for you you're, you know you're about to go on a life-changing journey and I said I know but I'm not prepared because yeah. I'm meant to be going on holiday that's all I kept saying was <laughs> I'm meant to be going on holiday I was just so looking forward to traveling for a bit so none of that happened obviously and um I went home and told my husband <laughs> his reaction was well let's just say the wall supported him um <laughs> he was genuinely shocked <laughs> we were both just shocked so yeah, that's that's basically how our journey started in February 2017. <laughs> wow, what what a yeah. surprise! And it's yeah, it was you know even even if you're trying for quite a long time to mm. conceive, yeah, it's still a shock when you find out in in you know even if you're expecting it because it feels such a nebulous concept that mm. you're going to have a baby. But yeah. for you, when it was totally <laughs> unexpected and not just the fact you're going to have one baby, you're going to have two. Yeah, that must have been a it was crazy. Yeah, it was mind blowing. It really was. And I honestly I had to it took me a few weeks to kind of digest the information. I told my 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 sisters, but I hadn't told my mum because it was so close to Mother's Day. I thought I'd surprise her um, with a scan picture which I did, and she didn't understand what it was. <laughs> she was given birth three times and she didn't understand what, it, what the scan was. I said, mum, she goes, what is this? And I, she goes, this, and then she was like, this is a scan picture. I said, yes, mum, it's a scan picture. She goes, are you having a baby? And I said, well, sort of. <laughs> she was like, oh my God. So that was her Mother's Day surprise. And then when I explained it was two, I said, mum, look at the picture again. And she goes, there's two and I said yes mum I'm having twins she was yeah that that was the best mother's day for her you're making me tear up just <laughs> imagining how special yeah, that was it her. was when she opened it it was really yeah it was an emotional moment I think um yeah my sister videoed it actually so I've got it somewhere on my on my phone but um it was really nice but people said to me you know you were really shocked and I said yeah I was shocked because I've got a lot of twins in my family so my twins are set seven wow yeah <laughs> even though um, I've got quite a few, well, quite a lot of twins in my family. I still didn't think it would be me. I thought maybe it would be my, one of my sisters. So, yeah, it was still genuinely a surprise, a wonderful surprise. My girls are four now. And, um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Much more to come. <laughs> and, and how about your your husband? Big shock for him. You know, yes. wonderful news, happy news, yes. but not necessarily at the time that you had planned. So how did he cope with that he was well he was better than me actually and he's just more of a my husband's a really laid-back kind of guy just gets on with it and um you know what was quite one of the funniest things he said was oh you know when the when the babies arrive they'll just sleep and we'll just feed them and I laughed I just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing yeah right it was, yeah exactly it was so funny because when they arrived he was just 
he had a, we had a slept for a good six months. So he was like, what is this? Like, you know, <laughs> he had, we had, well, we both had no idea the experience of actually being in it. And um, that's one of the things that led to my book because I was right, I wrote a journal at, at the time of my pregnancy because I was, had really bad anxiety. Um, and the anxiety got to me so much that I just worried throughout the whole pregnancy, would I be okay? And as much as my husband was reassuring me that everything would be fine, and my mom and my sisters and my, you know, my family around me, I still had that anxiety, that horrible, awful feeling, that pit in your, you know, that stomach of something bad is going to happen. And unfortunately for me, I had it from the beginning of where, when it's sick, when it, you know, when it started to sink in that, you know, oh my God, I'm having twins. So after a few weeks, the anxiety just, it just got worse and worse and worse. So I had counseling during my pregnancy um, for the anxiety because my doctor was concerned that, you know, being so anxious would harm, harm the baby. So I was trying to not be anxious, but also the thinking behind it, it was just still there. You can't not think about things you know you can't turn that off can you exactly no matter how hard you try yeah exactly and I was kind of battling I was fighting myself to be okay for myself and my my children at the time of my pregnancy and it was really really hard so um I didn't enjoy the pregnancy as much as other mothers I spoke to did because I obviously asked around I had a couple of friends who had twins and um at the time, I didn't even think about going on Facebook groups at the time um, or, or trying to reach out to any, you know, kind of multiple, you know, groups. It just didn't even cross my mind at the time. I was too anxious. Honestly, I was just really, really anxious about it. I, I was still, obviously, I was still working. I was still teaching and I slowed down a lot. The walking I had a lot of physical um, issues. Um, I was on crutches from six months. So um, I ended up in, in, you know, going into my school environment on, on crutches. I was literally waddling everywhere like a penguin, honestly. Uh, my hip moved out of place. So I had to um, use crutches. I'm asthmatic. So my asthma was really bad. And being pregnant in the summer is awful. <laughs> it's really awful. I mean, uh, you know, just the summer alone, the heat, you know, you sweat, your feet swell, just regular, regular things we go through. But being pregnant in the in the heat with twins was very difficult to cope mm, with. Very tough. I would sit, yeah, I'd sit outside, you know, my front door a lot just for some fresh air. Just, you yeah. know, just because yeah. of the, you know, the heat, try and sit in the shade a lot. But um, yeah, it was a, it was um, the anxiety was very, very challenging. But I had a really good counsellor. Do, do you think you would have been as anxious sort of being pregnant with a single baby that's a good question that's a good question because the the counsellor asked me that she said you know if you if you were just pregnant with one child do you think you'd be anxious and honestly I think I would um I but I think because I I had to I, it was even worse for me mm. because, and it's all because it wasn't expected I think in my mind if I knew that I was planning to have a baby that would have prepared me like psychologically mm -hmm. but I wasn't planning so and I'm a planner yeah. you know just being a teacher I'm a planner um and um when things are not planned for me I kind of it kind of throws me off mm. it doesn't cause anxiety I mean I worry a bit but it doesn't cause the anxiety feeling but I but I was really anxious so yeah I still think I would have been anxious if it was one if I was if I was if I had planned the pregnancy and um, it was one. I don't think I would be anxious if I had planned a pregnancy and I, it was two. I'd still be anxious. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it, then there must be something about sort of that loss of control, and also yeah. the fact with with most things there is a way out. Mm. But with a pregnancy, you know, either you terminate the pregnancy mm. or you give birth and and have mm. your family and and. Yeah either way it's incredibly life-changing you know it's, yeah. it's big decisions it is we had to make a lot of decisions and um I felt like at the time really um I had time to plan 
that's that was what I thought and I was like I actually don't have time to plan I realized when I got to about three months pregnant I actually don't have time to plan um, there's so much to do and also when I was three months pregnant I looked about six months pregnant <laughs> I just I was enormous um and um you know people thought I was going to be due soon I said no I'm only like three months pregnant so it was quite interesting I think I had a lot of water retention as well and um, a very small waist carrying that's I think that's why my hips you know were mm. unaligned and yeah yeah it was an interesting but challenging journey but I learned a lot from it and I've been able to help a lot of mums who have multiples from that journey so in a way it's like it was planned for me to help yeah. others you know so it's it's all it turned out all rosy in the end you know smelling of roses so I'm happy that um, I've been able to write a book and help help parents on that journey and come out the other end yeah this is what the podcast is about it's reaching mums and dads or yeah. their family and friends right now who are going through it and to sort of help you know throw a lifeline to say you aren't going to feel this way forever yes and, definitely and that in many circumstances bizarrely people have gone on to do incredible things as a result of having been through that experience yeah yeah it's life-changing it really is so are you happy to talk about sort of the birth and how yeah sure was for you um yeah the birth was um a cesarean because I my children were kind of sort of like an x in my stomach and also my hip had moved out of place so um, had a cesarean at 37 weeks plus four days. Honestly, if I hadn't had a cesarean, I think my girls would have stayed comfortably in my stomach. <laughs> I, didn't, I had no indication of twinges of, you know, ready to give birth. There was nothing. And that was 37 weeks with twins. So um, that's a really You must have been time. big. You must have been was he- very heavy. Yeah, yeah, I was really heavy. And, um, you know, I... I feel quite blessed actually that I lasted that long because my niece was born at 27 weeks. Oh my goodness. And um, she was absolutely tiny. Like she fit in my hand. So whenever, whenever I, when I was pregnant, um, she was already one and a half. And and then it was quite interesting to see the differences because I was around for my sister's birth. Mm. And then my own birth, I was like, oh my God, I've actually reached 37 weeks and a half, should I say, 37 and a half weeks with twins you know and it just shows goes to show that you never you can't predict how long you're going to be pregnant for you just you don't know anything yeah. could happen but for me I feel really blessed that they had full brain development um, and that's what the consultant was kept talking about the brain development for babies a minimum 36 weeks you know and full function etc and I'm I was happy that with that and when I went in for the cesarean it was early in the morning um the doctors, nurses, midwives were really, really supportive. I mean, this is something they reg- regularly do. Um, I actually wasn't nervous, if I'm honest. I was just was. I just kept saying to my husband Josh, um, "I can't wait to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I want to see my feet again." That's the, the, that was the thing that I read in your book that I found. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. That sort of no nerves, just, just like yeah, I want to see my toes to, again. Yeah, I want to see my toes. Um, that's all I kept thinking really because I was wearing his flip flops for about six about six months <laughs> of the pregnancy, so I was quite big very quickly. So um, the 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 um the cesarean went really well. You listened I to hip hop, didn't you? Yeah, I had I had quite a lot of people in the room actually. Actually, um, obviously now COVID, that would never happen. But I had some junior doctors in my room. Um, they were funny enough. Uh, I'm assuming their their mentor or supervisor, it was at the time, asked me if they could, you know, mm. they could observe because they hadn't seen a twin birth before. And I said, yeah, the more the merrier, I'm sure, you know, come in. No problem. That's very relaxed. So, <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. In the, and, the, and the doctor said it was fine. So they were in the corner. I think there was, must have been about six of them. I then had um, anaesthetists, uh, two anaesthetists, two midwives, um, the consultant, the nurses in there. There's quite a few. There's quite a few people in the room. My husband, my mum, and um, hip hop music. Yeah, because I was I was listening to Nas and Jay Z during my pregnancy, and I tried. It's funny because they say to listen to uh, classical music, and I tried it. it. Didn't work for my kids. It actually made them 
unsettled. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you can feel them in your tummy. <laughs> yeah, I could. And it, you know, you've got you haven't got two hands and two feet. I had four, four wow. hands, four feet going all over the place. And every time I played classical music, you know, Mozart, whatever it was, it kind of unsettled them. And I <laughs> they were, they were like, no, mum. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not interested <laughs> in this. And and the hip hop seemed to to calm them down, you know, it relaxed them, which relaxed me. And um, yeah, I I played Nas's album in, in the delivery room and it went it went really well. Um, they both came out healthy. The uh, Bell was first, Lords was second. And yeah, it was um, it was an amazing birth. And then we got brought back to um, the, our room. We had our own room, luckily enough. And they put both girls in an ink in the incubator together, which was nice. They said, you know, because they're twins, it'd be good for bonding. Yeah. Did you have the chance to have skin to skin first? Yes. I had some skin to skin, which was a really strange experience for me. And this would this leads on to the postnatal depression, which I didn't know I had. Um, so the skin to skin, when I when um when they when they came out, when they when I had when I had the cesarean, I could feel the tugging. Um, everything was numb and they had a big sheet up. And my husband was sitting next to me. So they put both of them next to me as I was lying down. That was the first time. And that felt good because mm. that made me realize I, the anxiety kind of went away there because they were here and I could see them. And then they took them over to the, the you know, to continue checking them. Yeah. Um, my mom had taken one and Josh had taken the other. And then they worked on me. And then they just continued working on me, sure, ensuring that I was okay. And all I kept remembering was I'm so hungry. <laughs> I just want to eat something. <laughs> I hadn't eaten because you're not allowed to eat in the morning um, with a cesarean. So I was so hungry. So anyway, that was the main thing on my mind. And then we we went back into the room and then I had skin to skin and it felt really strange. Mm. It just felt really strange to me. And I thought I've watched videos and, you know, movies and women are, you know, they have that connection. I didn't have that. And that's when I realized later on, when I found out I had postnatal depression, that memory came back to me. And that's when I realized, okay, maybe that's when it started. And I didn't realize it started because I didn't feel a connection there. And I thought that's odd, you know? Why am I not feeling a connection there? But I didn't say anything at the time because I just thought, okay, maybe it's because I'm just really tired and mm. I haven't eaten or something. That's, that's what was going through my mind. Anyway, so they were in the, the, they put them in the, in the incubator, they were, you know, uh, wrapped up together, and they were doing really well, and then came the next bit, the breastfeeding. <laughs> mm. Oh dear, yeah, that was a complete, utter nightmare for me. I just couldn't do it, I couldn't breastfeed, and that was at the hospital, and they said that they, I can't go home until I'm breastfeeding, so they were trying to show me how to the babies should latch on. So one on the left, one on the right. And I felt incredibly claustrophobic. We've had a two nurses on each, well, a nurse on either side, two nurses trying to put my kids in a position for feeding. And I'm just like, what's going on here? I had, and when I think about it, I wish they had spoken to me a bit more about what they were going to do and what was going to happen I didn't get that I was just got okay your kids need to eat this is what you do and do it kind of thing yeah and they just kind of it felt forced on me and they wouldn't latch on one did a little bit and then she didn't and I honestly think it's because I felt overwhelmed and she could kind of sense it it was you know she could you know tell and then I just said to the nurse okay stop I just told them both to stop I said I can't do this I can't so then I had a breast pump and I was expressing milk and then they mm. gave me a bottle that was at the hospital and then the anxiety came back so I was thinking oh my god my kids are starving I'm not feeding my children what kind of mum am I so then that the anxiety came back with that and then that's all I kept thinking about was oh my god I'm not my kids are not getting enough milk how do I know how much milk to give them and um it's not really much of a measurement is it you can't really measure breast yeah. milk when you're you're just breastfeeding um, I learned the measurements obviously in the bottle because it's marked on the bottle for you but just the breastfeeding I couldn't do it in the hospital 
And it's so hard, you, you can't see. That, that's yeah, what I exactly. found very You hard. can't see it. Yeah, you can't physically see how much is going into them. So you just don't know. So then I got home. When we eventually got home, I was like, oh, my gosh. So I've got to feed them now. And I tried the breastfeeding. I had a breastfeeding. I ordered a, had ordered a, pre-ordered a breastfeeding pillow. It's a multiples one. Yeah. And I got it from America. That's another thing. I couldn't really find things for multiples here in the UK. Um, so um, there's much more now than there was when I was, when I had given birth, but um, still not a lot, but America had everything. So I yeah. got a lot of stuff um, from America. And um, the twin, the, the tandem, it's called a tandem feeding um, cushion, worked really well um, with my positioning. And I tried the breastfeeding then. One managed to latch on, the other one just would not, she just wouldn't latch on. She was really irritable, really, really irritable. And I didn't know what to do about that. And um, I was like, oh my God, once again, one of my kids now are going to starve, you know, they're not, they're not feeding. So I had to express and feed her. But then the other one was latched on and I was trying to <laughs> breastfeed and breast pump. It was, it was just insane. It's insane. And you can't really mask what's actually happening. You know, you can't, you can't actually tell or think about things like that unless you're actually in the moment yeah. yourself. Um, because the majority of women have one child at a time and they're not experiencing what someone like myself was experiencing. We're, we're, you know, we're a minority in the multiples community. So um, once again, I couldn't talk to anybody about it because they didn't know what I was going through because they hadn't gone through it themselves. So um, eventually the other twin started to reject the breast milk. And then because she just sensed the tension every time she went to feed. So I just took the decision to bottle feed and bottle feed properly. I watched YouTube videos. I watched bits um, uh, and programs on the TV. And um, I'm quite thorough. So um, I, I measured everything and made sure that they were both getting the same amount. It then got to a point where um, one of my twins, I noticed wasn't when it got to formula milk she refused the formula milk she wouldn't take it it was a really tough journey with her she had um eczema really badly her Since hair fell Lavelle. out Lavelle, yeah the, the older one yeah her hair fell out um she had eczema all over her I had to I don't know what it's called when you you basically have to put rub cream on her um the ointment the doctors gave me and then wrap her like in bandages to prevent herself from scratching because she was scratching until she was bleeding. It was oh. awful. And you know, when babies, you know, babies' nails grow really yeah, quickly, yeah. really quickly. So I had to put mittens on her, but then she taught herself how to bite the mittens off, clever <laughs> little girl, at such a young age. Um, and obviously, because she was itching, so she was crying a lot. And um, then I had to buy mittens where it had like a ribbon on the end so she wouldn't take it. She couldn't take it up, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'd rub it all over her head, her face, her ears, her neck, everywhere, her body, her arms, legs, armpits, everywhere. She was just covered in it. And I just, the anxiety got worse. It yeah. just got worse and worse and worse. And then it was, you know, I felt like, I mean, before, I mean, bef when the eczema started to happen, I mean, I, I, the connection between me and my kids got better because the first few weeks, I'd say the first six weeks was really disconnect for me. And I feel like they sense that um, now that I understand the whole mothering process a bit more. And um, yeah, she, I kept having to go into the hospital. The, the midwives who came to my home to try and teach me to breastfeed, I eventually told them not to come back because they were really, they were just too overbearing for me. Um, and that's when I eventually turned to the bottle milk. And then that's where I realized the bell didn't like the bottle milk. So I, I kind of continued to breastfeed, um, express, she drank that milk and then I dried up. So I had to give her, give her the, the formula. And we tried, tr God, we tried so many different formulas. And then um, it got to a position where I, I was in, where um, I just constantly crying all the time, not sleeping, really irritable and trying to do, look after twins. It was a lot of, it was a lot of hard work. I mean, I, I, I'm grateful. I had a great support network, family, friends, godparents, my mum was my rock. I honestly don't know what I would have done without my mum. 
I mean, she works for the NHS and she was still managing to come back and forth to see me. Or some, you know, sometimes I would go there for a week or two just to just to sleep, you know, just yeah. to get some, yeah. you know, survival, surviving just a pattern of sleep. And it was it was difficult. It was a difficult time, especially when I heard mums who had twins, you know, they never had any of the things I was going through. So I thought, what is going on here? Why am I going 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 through this? And it just made me realise you can't predict what's going to happen. Mm. I mean, you can prepare for certain things with with babies, but you can't predict what's going to happen to you. So um, it was that, you know, that was really tough for me. And then I um, was always crying. Signs of, you know, postnatal depression. I had no idea what was going on. No idea. And my doctor didn't even think about it because he didn't say to me, you know, you could possibly suffer from depression. None of the midwives had mentioned anything to me. My health visitor hadn't mentioned anything to me. And bless her because I had a really good health visitor she was superb but she just didn't make the connection she didn't think that I had um, PND and she had twins herself and she was teaching me quite a lot of things so having her around was really helpful and she came to my home she made life so much easier for me because trying to get twins dressed and take them to the health visitor forget it yeah (laughs) I look back and can't understand or quite comprehend how it would sometimes take hours to leave the house and yeah, that's with absolutely. one absolutely yeah it took me ages 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 and then it was a packing the bag because with labelle i had to pack more stuff for her because of her eczema so it was a lot as they got older their, their sizes changed and i was like oh i can't buy two of everything anymore i've got to think about sizes now so wow. that was another <laughs> another added added stress you know the worst part of my my first year with my kids, the absolute worst was when LaBelle had to be hospitalized for having um, a condition called GORD, which is esophagus reflux disorder. Um, and um, it's when the milk gets stuck in the windpipe and it blocks off your ability to breathe. And there was two episodes where I had to give her mouth to mouth resuscitation myself. and. Um, have to go to hospital the first time I panicked and then I had to the only way I can describe it I had to pretend I wasn't her mum and just do the just do the mouth to mouth because um we panic as mums don't we we yeah yeah, we 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 you know and then we you know we want to try and hug our children or you know when when they're when there's danger but I had to put myself out of that and just pretend she wasn't mine and just do the mouth to mouth um and, and I was on the phone to a para, um, 999 paramedic whilst I was doing it, telling them what I was doing. Ambulance was in here within minutes and took her to the hospital. So how did and, you know um, something was, was wrong? She stopped breathing. She went blue around the mouth. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she went blue around the mouth. And um, I was in the kitchen and um, I could hear them. They were on their play mat and they had, I don't know if you've ever um, heard of a language called, um, oh, what's it called for? Uh, there's a a, a, no it's there's a language for twins only twins have this language where they speak to each other my kids were speaking to each other from a very young age even though they didn't know words yet I you could just tell just observing them um and they would they would speak with each other and I could only hear one so when I came back into the living room she was lying there not moving and blue around the mouth my immediate reaction was panic and then I just started doing compressions and I know first aid because I've been trained in that in my my job as a teacher but it's um it was it was and it it didn't even hit me that I was doing what I was doing the shock came after it came after and um it wasn't even a big shock because I just kept worrying about her so Mm. um when I look back on it it was more of a survival instinct you know just do what you've got to do that kind of instinct and we were in hospital for a couple of days and then we came home and then it happened again two weeks later oh my gosh yeah it was awful went blue around the mouth again stopped breathing and um this time we were in hospital for two weeks this is where I found out I had postnatal depression so the pediat a pediatrician at the time very 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 good um doctor 
um, he noticed something was wrong with me. I didn't even notice something was wrong with me because I was in a daze. I hadn't slept for like two weeks. And um, he said to me, I'm going to refer you to see, to speak to somebody. And um, I said, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, he says, no, you're not fine. I'm going to refer you. You've been here for two weeks now. I'm going to refer you to speak to somebody. So um, I had to go downstairs to speak to somebody. He, he, he told me where to go. Um, he said that, the, you know the, the the council will be waiting for you downstairs so when I went downstairs I went in through like a back of the ward in onto another ward and then I realized I was in the actual psychiatric unit that's where wow. he sent me so that freaked me out I thought yeah. that. you know he sent me to the psychiatric unit automatically I thought they're going to take my kids away from me because um you know he can see that I can't cope that was that that's what was going through my head so I sat down in this room and I was talking very common feeling isn't it yeah exactly it's very common we see it a lot you know unfortunately we see it we hear it we read about it and um the 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 psychiatrist I spoke to you know I was I was in uncontrollable tears at this point he said to me I can tell that you need help but you don't need sectioning he goes, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I can see that you're suffering from postnatal depression. As soon as he said that to me, Vicky, and a, it's like a light bulb just went off in my head. Everything just fell into place for me. That's why I've been feeling like that. That's why these things have been happening. That's why I've had a low mood. That's why I'm constantly crying. That every, just, just him saying that, you know? And I just was like, why hadn't somebody mentioned that to me before? Maybe I may have felt different and been able to handle it better. I could have told my husband, I could have told my mom, I could have told my sisters, me and my friends. And um, yeah, I just felt robbed. Yeah. Really, of the first six months of my kid's life, if I'm honest, especially LaBelle. No, sorry, especially Lord, um, Lords, because I spent so much time with LaBelle. Yeah. My focus was more on LaBelle because I wouldn't sleep in case she wouldn't, you know, she stopped breathing. So that's, my focus went on her. So I feel like with Lords, she just learned how to cope, <laughs> you know, on her own. Cause she now, they're four now, she's more, she's the leader of the pack. You know, she's, she's <laughs> the young, the, the older sister follows the younger sister. Yeah. She's taller, you know, she, um, she's more of the leader. And I just feel like, you know, survival instincts kicked into her at a young age. And I, and I, whenever I see that, I kind of feel bad because, I wish I had been able to give them the balance of my love for both. But for LaBelle, the focus and the energy I spent on her was immense. And I know why, obviously, because of the condition she has. I mean, the, the eczema's gone now, thank God. And, um, you know, she has a couple of patches, but it's not how it was all over the body. And she knows how to cream herself. She knows what her cream's called. She yeah. knows where it is. You know, she knows she knows where what what eczema is now. And when she when we go and see the specialist, she'll say to the specialist, "My patch is here and here, and everywhere else is gone now." You know, she she can yeah. you know she understands fully. So when you were staying in hospital with Labelle, yeah, were you then separated from? Yes, her? so I was separated from Lord because she was at home, and I realized. Le- the doctors kept saying that your, you know, your daughter's really unsettled. She, you know, and I was explaining to them, she's not sleeping. And then I said, I, I actually think it's because her sister's not here. And yeah. that's exactly what it was. Just separation anxiety from her twin. As soon as I, cause I asked my husband to bring her and they made a room for me so I could have both of them. And oh. they, as soon as her sister came, she slept superbly. No, no issues whatsoever. None. That must have been really hard on you as well. Being yeah, it was. Being torn I hadn't like seen her. That. Yeah, I hadn't seen her for a few days. Yeah, um, and I mean, she had visited during a day, but it wasn't the sleeping thing. You know, that you know, going to bed yeah. at night, not being able to put her to bed, was a real big issue for me. Um, um, I I I battled with my own kind of emotions then, you know. And um, as soon as they the the the, 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 the pediatrician said she can stay for the night. Um, she stayed the night and LaBelle slept all through the night all through the night no issues whatsoever all through the night and I and he he even saw it himself and he's like wow he goes it's, it wasn't medicine <laughs> you know he said <laughs> he goes it wasn't medicine it was just love and that's what she needed she needed her sister and that warmed me that you know that kind of helped me to 
well, so it's helped me with the crying, the stop, you know, the crying. It helped me sleep better. Um, I was able to eat after that. So for the, I think it was the last three days we were in hospital, uh, Lord stayed with us. So yeah, that really helped. Yeah. Um, how do you get over something like, because I, I developed a fear of going to sleep because I was mm. worried that yeah. something would happen to Stan. Me too. But you had a reason from your experience with LaBelle mm. not being able to breathe. That must have been torture for you. It was, it was horrific. And it's when I when I was speaking to the psychiatrist, I was telling him everything that had happened from the the, the day I found out I was pregnant. Um, my sleep, you know, the anxiety, having counselling during my pregnancy, my hip moving out of place. I had a, a condition called the Curvin syndrome, where my wrists were really weak. So the first three weeks of well, being a mum, I couldn't carry my kids. They were too heavy for me even though they were so light, I couldn't even open a can, I couldn't open a door, nothing, my wrists had just completely just stopped working, so um, I was telling him all of the, you know, issues that I was, I was having, and he just was like, he couldn't believe, so he was, it, it was a shock for him, he couldn't actually believe that I was telling him all of these things, and I was still, you know, still holding it together, yeah, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't understand, and he, he said to me, I, um, I understand why because I said why has a paediatrician referred me to you you know I don't understand why I'm seeing you and not just the counsellor he goes tell me your story and then I started telling him and all the floods of tears came out as I was, as I was speaking because I realised oh my god these are all the things that I've gone through but I hadn't registered it because I just you know you just keep going as yeah, a mum yeah. you just keep going your kids got to eat you've got to feed your children you've got to wash them you've got to clothe them and it's a, it's a cycle you just keep going so um as I'm speaking to him, I'm like, oh my God, all these things are coming up. I forgot that happened. And then that happened. And then that happened. And then it got to a point where um, I said to him, I don't want you to take my kids from me. And he goes, I, that's when he said to me, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, it's not, you know, he said, it's not going to happen. I can see your, you know, you don't need to be sectioned. I can see that you just need a bit more help. And um, it, it, it seems like to me that you have postnatal depression. And then that's where the light bulb and, you know, I just felt, I actually felt human again. I mean, some people who, <laughs> who've been diagnosed with PND, you know, they might take it differently because they've got a condition. For me, I was glad to be told that I had that condition because it made sense. I didn't understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. I just couldn't understand it. And that, for me, gave me clarity and I knew what to do next. And how did your husband and your mom and your other mm. support, mm. how did they respond to that label? Because it's often misunderstood, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. So he was, um, Josh knew something was wrong, but he didn't know about the label. You know, he didn't know about postnatal depression. Um, he didn't understand it or anything. It's not something he had ever heard of. So um, he was you know, he helped, he helped much more. I mean, his work schedule was kind of hectic, but he was able to do the nights a bit more. You know, my mum, as she was helping anyway, but she realised what it, she knows what it is. So she was helping more. My sisters as well, godparents. It was, I just, I'm grateful for the support. And I'm not, I'm not the type of person to shy away from asking for help either some mums do and I, I talk about that a lot in my book don't you know don't be afraid to ask for help because a lot of mums I've spoken to don't like feeling like they're a burden you know it it's so easy to feel like that it really is and I didn't feel like that I didn't care I asked everyone I'd ask the milkman the postman anyone I could find I'm asking for help that was that's the kind of person I am <laughs> anyone and I have my neighbor is um He's in his 70s, his late 70s, and um, he was so helpful as well. He was, you know, he'd come and check on me. He would go shopping for me, you know, and, and um, I'm grateful I had that around me to, to, to just to survive that first year, hence the title of my book, yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah, first year yeah. of survival. <laughs> and it really is, it really is. It's like I felt when they, when they turned one, it was such an emotional experience for me because I, ha I was looking back, I was reflecting on everything that had happened in 365 days. And um, it seems like it had gone really quickly, but there was moments where like the, the, the world had stood still, especially when the bell was ill. 
And I had to teach myself to every time she coughed or made a little move, not to panic. Yeah. That panic mode. And it's so funny because I still do it now. And she's four. I still do it now. But it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's the, it's the way we're bred mm. as mums, especially, because I think there's mm. the extra biological function of like responding to every cry or. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so hard not to be that helicopter mum. Yeah. What would you say if if there's family and friends listening to this now who have yeah. a loved one that's going through postnatal depression? And especially if they're a mum of, of multiples, mm. could you sort of say three things that helped you the most? You know, how can they help? See, for me, I didn't know I had it. If I knew I had it, I would have asked for help. A lot of mums don't like asking for help because they feel like a burden. You're not. Ask for help. If you don't want to see your doctor, which is always the first place to go, and I think that's the best place to start with, join a group, uh, uh, a mum's group of multiples I'm in so many on Facebook it's, it's wonderful Facebook is fabulous for groups and talking and sharing and also um, local areas have multiples groups to see if there's any in your area your health visitor can tell you that as well and tell your friends and family if you're not if you feel like you're not coping and don't say things like I'm tired or I just want to sleep tell them how you are genuinely feeling because the majority of us, when even if we don't have kids, we're tired. We just want to sleep. You know, life is tough. And um, it you've got to, sometimes you've got to try and articulate what it is that you're feeling. Because somebody who you're telling that to may not understand what it is that you're trying to say. So definitely it's, it starts with talking. I mean, if your partner's available for you to talk to, please do so. Family and friends, whoever it is, even if it's just your neighbour, and yes, support systems are great, but there are mums who I've come across who don't have that. They have no family around totally them. Totally isolated. Totally isolated. They live in areas where there's not much around or they're in another country. Some of them are in my book and they've managed to survive. And for me, that kind of encouraged me as well to change my mindset. You know, I've got so many people to help me. This, this mum and dad have just got each other and triplets <laughs> yeah, that, yeah you know so online communities are, yeah are definitely good. online communities online communities I've had about five or six zoom sessions with mums where we've just talked about everything and anything bring your kids breastfeed whatever it is you're doing wash the dishes you know just put your laptop on the side whatever it is you're doing multitask yeah let's just talk and that's really helped a lot of mums and they've been with women all over the world I've given women the opportunity who are um, pregnant with multiples to ask questions lots of questions webinars where I've invited women who are mums who already have had children of twins and triplets who have been able to you know tell their story and answer questions which has been great this is something that I was doing you know before COVID I would like to continue doing that because more and more women are having multiples especially women in their 40s IVF is is very common as yeah. well for women in their 40s and they tend to have multiples and a lot of um, the women um, who I've spoken to who have triplets in their 40s have had IVF it's just amazing to see how these children are growing you know over the last few years it's, it's just it's wonderful I stay in contact with a lot of mums and dads who have multiples and it's just nice because the conversations we have are different the conversations you may have with a mum who's just got one child is different from the conversation you have with a mum who's got two children who are very different, which means mum has to multitask differently. Yeah, yeah. I've had to kind of fight for certain things for multiples, um, like going to a supermarket. Why do you not have twin trolleys? Like, why is that an issue? You know, I've had to contact head offices of supermarkets to get twin trolleys. Pavements are too small. So please, if you can have small pavements, design buggies that can fit on it. Um, for you know mums of twins and triplets just little things like that you find difficult and um, you know baby shows it'll be nice for baby shows to have stands for multiples they don't have that they just have stands that's incredible they of all people should be <laughs> thinking about the whole market yeah exactly I have been to the baby show before when I was pregnant and they didn't have anything for twins it was just buy two of this buy two of this kind of thing if 
you know multiple pregnancies are on the rise mm. there's a massive market for these things. yeah there absolutely is a massive market for it. I mean I'm I haven't been to a mother and baby show in a while but I'm hoping that they have it now at the time they didn't have that it was quite difficult even my buggy I got in America mm. <laughs> you know I just literally bought the frame and then I clipped the the car seats on and off of it yeah. to make my life easier they do have nice twin buggies now but what happens to the mums who's got triplets or quads oh, I yeah. know mums who've got quads you know I fell pregnant with Stan when I was 40 and because I knew that my time was running out I actually was really disappointed when I found out I just had one because I was hoping for mm. twins so that I could have my yeah. instant family and yeah. then one of my very very dear mum friends from my NCT group she had twins mm. and seeing what she went through just the sheer hell you know it's bad <laughs> enough with one yeah. But, yeah. but it's it's almost like two plus two makes five that actually mm-hmm. it's not just double of everything, but it's the, the how you're torn between different yeah. schedules, because that's the thing. Yes. They're not necessarily in rhythm with each other, are they? No. And that's another thing about um, twins. People used to say things to me. This is why I say the conversations that you have with parents of multiples compared to parents who just have singletons. It goes like this. Oh, you know, you should get your child into a routine where they sleep together where they eat together and I'm just like do you have twins like you know you don't have twins my kids do not go to bed at the same time and I've tried it and it hasn't worked (laughs) you know it just doesn't when I speak to other parents who've had you know twins triplets quads they've had the same experience as me some some it works some it doesn't and for me it didn't work and I think mainly it's because of the bell and her eczema it she was so irritable she just couldn't sleep properly you know and um I tried to do things together but it just didn't work like that it just didn't fit into my life and how my children were were growing mm. it just didn't and I had to live around their needs because they're obviously very young you know they're small and they they, they rely on their parents to look after them when they're one two three years old so yeah sleeping or eight patterns for me was hell on earth it really was all these things that happened to me was kind of like a blessing in disguise and I didn't see it at the time because I still felt like I was living in a nightmare. It just, it led to my book. Everything is in, you know, my book about how I was feeling, um, how different parents cope, because everything is not how about how I was coping and how my husband was coping. But there's parents out there who have different ways of doing things that may resonate with another multiples parent. And that's why I had interviewed so many parents from around the world to get their feedback because everyone's different you know every pregnancy is different one of the mums in in my book who who I speak to quite regularly she lives in California I mean she's just an inspiration she was a nurse had four miscarriages that eventually had IVF and then um, had triplets and now she's just given birth to a singleton so now she's got four bless her and um, you know she's starting again but for her it's so much easier because all three of her children can help. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can help out and they're really supportive to their, their new sibling and very excited. It's just so refreshing to hear that people can still, you know, live a fulfilled life, whether they have one child, you know, twins, triplets, or quads, you know. And um, I, for me as a mum, regardless, you know, of whether if I had twins or not, or just had one, I feel like motherhood, the motherhood journey for us all is going to be different but it's special it's special in our in our own way you know we make it special for us and our, also our children make it special for us because they teach us something new every day you know I'm learning how to still be a mum you know for year four for me <laughs> but I think that's such an important thing to say as well going back to what you were saying just then about the sleeping is that nobody knows your child better than you do and absolutely I, you know, whenever anybody said that to me about, you know, your mum instinct or, you know, trust your instincts. And of course, I was in panic, anxiety mode, like, I don't have any instincts. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. If you do follow your own rhythm and follow the rhythm of your child, nobody has a right to tell you what to, to do and how to parent because your way is the right way. Absolutely. You know, you can take on board bits of advice, but there is so much advice where you're damned if you do damned if you don't don't. and it's overwhelming as a parent yeah it is that advice you know it's probably well-intentioned 
Mm, definitely well-intentioned I reckon the people who said it to me but my husband I mean from a man's perspective is slightly different Josh wasn't interested in what anyone had to say it was how he coped <laughs> you know he just yeah. got on with it you know and um, he would just keep saying to me don't worry what anyone else says it's how you how you cope how you, you know how you survive he's a really hands-on dad my my girls look up to him or should I say our girls look up to him I always say my girls I have to stop saying that <laughs> <laughs> have to stop saying that um, yeah, our girls look up to him. They're real daddy's girls. And, you know, he is like, he's their superhero. All he needs is a, a cape. <laughs> he sees things for as they are. And he will always give me advice, be like, you know, what? I don't think that's right for them. Maybe we should try this. For them, they've got the best of both worlds. Definitely got the best of both worlds. You know, both parents and both, you know, grandparents on both sides who are really hands on as well. I'm lucky to have that break you know I can drop the kids off and have a weekend to myself you know my my in-laws are amazing they're absolutely the best I'm quite lucky I'm a lucky mum you've completely turned your life around in terms of like having been through such a traumatic exhausting mm. experience which could have defeated a lot of people less yeah. strong than you but you've actually it's galvanized you into changing your life Absolutely. can you tell us about what you're doing now yeah so the postnatal depression for me was a life-changing moment because I was in it I didn't know I had it and once I found out I had it I knew that I had to keep going so the counseling started again you know I saw my counselor with my kids and then on my own and with my husband so we, I had different kinds of sessions and they all worked really well and um, that really helped me as well to, to even just look after myself a bit more, drink more water, just little things like that, drink more water, um, exercise. I eventually was able to go back to the gym and work out um, and I felt really good and I just kept going. And then, you know, I felt myself again. You know, I knew that the postnatal depression had gone for me because I, I felt myself that the tears were gone, the anxiousness had gone, although I still have moments of anxiety when my kids run off <laughs> in different directions. And I'm like, who do I go and get first? You know, <laughs> little things like that. Um, but, you know, other than that, I felt really good. And when the, when the girls were one and, one and a half, my book was published. It was, it was an amazing experience um, for me um, writing that. And my publishers are really supportive. My husband, he's obviously in the book as well. And all the things that had happened to me in, I was very open, transparent about what I went through. Um, it wasn't to scare parents. It was just to let them know that things are not always as clean cut as you expect it to be. There will be things that happen which throw you off and don't worry about it. You know, it's very parented. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, my book really has helped a lot of a lot of people and um with that I decided to do the the talks you know the the multiple mums groups that led to that and then two years ago now just before Covid actually um I started a business the thought came to me in October actually so Covid has already been in it had already started but we just didn't know it was October 19 it kind of came to me that I want to you know work with do business coaching but I want to help mums in business you know because I wanted that flexibility myself working full-time as a teacher I went part-time I wanted to spend more time with my children because it just goes so quickly yeah. you know some people yeah. don't have the that luxury because they have to work but for me I had that Thursday Friday I do business coaching online helping mums in business to start their own and it's you know giving them that 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 belief that they can start their business, that mindset, the the being able to find that balance between motherhood and and work and 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 life in general. We're quite busy. We're quite busy mummies. Me working from home Thursday, Friday, I get to take my kids to school in the morning. I get to pick them up. I get to interact with their teachers to find out how they're doing. You know, I speak with other mums and it's it's nice. I feel like I'm doing what I should be doing for my, you know, for my children and helping other mums to do that too you know being able to work from home they can stop collect their kids from school you know go home and you know work it around their around their children but finding that balance so they don't burn out yeah and um, yeah. that's basically what I've I've been doing and it's going really well so who knows what will happen in the future but um, I'll continue with the the coaching I would like to start doing some more 
face-to-face events but we just have to wait and see where COVID takes us. <laughs> but how rewarding and how wonderful that you've taken what was a you know a really horrific experience mm-hmm. and turned it into something so positive and something that's really helping other mums out there I think you know I really admire you so much you're Thank such you. an inspiration Thank you. and and where can people get hold of your book Amazon online Waterstones Blackwells um it's on my website as well which is www.leonihuey.co.uk there's some really good uh, support resources in mm. in the back I know you've put loads yeah. of links I've put lots of website addresses of organizations and places that you can go to online face-to-face to support you through your journey because you're not on your own whether you have one child or you have three at one time you know there's lots of organizations out there to help mums and dads especially dads as well because dads do have this dads do have that feeling of anxiousness and feeling of depression as well yeah if you had one message to anybody going through it right now what would you say I would say that you're not alone and and don't feel that you're a burden to ask for help because you're not a burden you're a mum or a dad and you've got a lot to offer Absolutely. And you're an embodiment of how much value mums have to offer the workplace as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was doing a talk recently and saying that as mums, you know, giving birth doesn't make you less good at your job. It makes you better. Absolutely. The multitasking. (laughs) Yeah. The skills of being organised and meeting deadlines. Negotiation. Yeah, negotiation. (laughs) With toddlers, definitely. Yes, yes. (laughs) Mummy, can I have chocolate for breakfast? Uh, no, you can't have chocolate for breakfast. <laughs> nice, nice try. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, You're Leonie. Welcome. Thank you You're so welcome. much. And You're congratulations welcome. again on your BEM. Thank you. Richly deserved. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. If you enjoy this episode of Blue Mum Days, please rate and subscribe. It only takes a minute, but it genuinely makes a difference to how many people can find it which means helping more parents in need. Thank you.